This is Healing Through Love. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia. If this is your first time joining me, um, this is our second episode. I am just a 32-year-old woman living single in New York City, and I have never been in love. So this is my journey to attract and find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. And I'm so happy you're here. Welcome back. So today I thought I would answer a couple questions. Um, First being, who am I? I can just tell you a little bit more about myself. Uh, How do I love or how have I loved in the past? And where did I begin? Where did my healing journey kind of begin? And I think these are all like three great questions for anybody to kind of ask themselves when they start out in, you know, their healing journey or just really just looking at dating from a a more trauma-informed mindset. Um, So who am I? How do I love? And where do I begin in my process? So here we go. Um, Who am I? (laughs) Again, my name is Olivia Luna. I'm 32 years old, currently living in New York City. Um, I wear a lot of different hats in terms of my profession. I work primarily in video production and live streaming. Um, I do some photography. I do some video work, as you can see. Uh, Now I do podcasting. um, And I edit, produce, develop all of it, you know, um, some of it entirely by myself. Um, But I'm also, I've also worked on a lot of amazing teams um, with, you know, some incredible production companies here in New York. And yeah, I think ultimate goal is to just be able to tell stories and um, bring experiences to life in new and different ways um, from different voices When I first uh, came to New York, I originally went to college for theater performance and came to be an actress, wanted to be on Broadway, wanted to be, you know, just a star, of course, (laughs) and uh, that never really happened, never really panned out. I had some had some good hits. Uh, You can definitely Google me and probably find some embarrassing stuff on the Internet. Um, But I think the ultimate, you know, realization I had was that my story, my voice just wasn't being written, wasn't being told. A lot of the roles that I was booking were um, pretty stereotypical. Um, you know, your everyday, the best friend, the vixen, the, I don't know, uppity, preppy black girl or whatever. <laughs> and they just didn't have any kind of substance and just, you know, it was just a, a, the same kind of narrative that has sort of always been told um, and is told through a very white, um, heterosexual, you know, binary tone. And um, I wanted to change that in some way. And I wanted to be able to produce and tell my own story um, and tell the story of other people that I also wasn't seeing, um, you know, in, in media. Um, and also just how we consume media in general. Um, so the company that is producing this podcast is called Solidarity Media. It is a woman-owned um, production company. I am one of the co-founders, um, along with some other incredible badass women. And that is kind of our mission, is to really um, just transform and change uh, the images that we consume, really making sure that they are diverse, that they're inclusive, that they are honest, um, and that they are sh- showing the full complexities of a person. Um, 
And I think that's part of, you know, what sort of led me onto this journey is I didn't want to just be this one note or I always thought that I had this kind of <laughs> boring um, vanilla sort of slate sort of view of myself, I guess. Um, and I really wanted to just understand more clearly who I am, all of the different kind of complexities that I have um, and everything that has informed all of the decisions and choices that I make today, um, really just digging into understanding all of that. So that's part of what this podcast is about. That's definitely part of what my process and journey has been. And um, yeah, I'm excited to really just continue to answer that question. Who the hell am I? Some fun facts about me. I am a Scorpio, so very passionate, fiery individual. Uh, <laughs> I think I feel like Scorpios get like a bad rep, but then as I think about how I am, I'm like, no, wait, actually, I can be a lot of those things. Um, definitely the type of person that when if if you are my people, like you are my people for life, we are good to the end. I am your ride or die. But if you do me wrong. Mm, you gonna get iced out and you are going to feel it. I'm sorry. I know it's horrible. Uh, I don't want to be that kind of Scorpio, but I am. Um, it's very much like a boundary safety thing. You know, if I don't feel comfortable with somebody or, you know, the, uh, they were unreceptive to who I am or not willing to accept my full authentic self, then you can go, right? Like we can put the walls up and that's that. Um, but I also, again, part of this journey has made me realize that we are complex beings and people change and people grow. So I've definitely been working on, you know, not fully just cutting it off, cutting people off forever, but really um, giving folks grace and compassion and understanding. And if someone is, you know, open to talking, I love deep difficult conversations. So I'd rather just like, you know, talk it out um, rather than just, you know, have to cut somebody off. And that's that. Um, so that's a little bit a part of, uh, you know, what I'm going to answer next. But just a fun fact about me, she's a Scorpio. Uh, another fun fact, something random. Um, there is a chair in my house that was once sat upon by the amazing cellist, Yo-Yo Ma. And I kind of love telling the story because it's like it was one of the first like big, big production jobs that I booked when I first moved to New York. I was just a PA and um, it was such a very New York shoot. Like we are up on some luxury high rise rooftop. The skyline is like behind him. Yo-Yo Ma is like up on this platform and, you know, he's he's playing the cello and it's just beautiful like camera movements and lights and everything. It's just an incredible shoot. And the chair that he's sitting on um, throughout the whole thing, I was responsible for kind of like lugging it around because we went to a couple different like scenic New York locations. And, you know, the whole plot, I guess, of the commercial is that he's like playing in these very New York iconic locations. And so uh, the whole day I'm like lugging the chair around and everything. And um, at the end of it, you know, after we wrapped, by the way, Yo-Yo Ma is such a great guy, super chill. He was super cool, very easy to work with big fan. Um, but at the end of the day, the uh, production manager, the production manager was just kind of like, okay, 
do we want to lug this chair back to the office? Like, what do we want to do with this? Can we return it? I don't know, whatever. And he was about to say, maybe we just throw it away. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll take it. Like <laughs> At that time, I feel like I, I had just moved into an apartment that I maybe had like, I don't know, a bed and, and that's pretty much it, uh, a bed and a dresser. So I didn't have any furniture. And so this was kind of like a win-win for me. I was like, ooh, a free chair and a great story because this was once sat upon by Yo-Yo Ma. So yeah, fun fact about me. I have that in my house. <laughs> okay, anyway, enough of the pleasantries. Um, so the big question, how do I love? Um, so I... I think I first want to talk about my attachment style. And if you haven't really heard about this, the attachment style essentially, uh, it looks at how the caregiver-child bond um, has sort of impacted how the child responds to like a negative situation or bit, you know, negative emotions, right? So there are four different styles. If you don't know, they are anxious, um, anxious ambivalent attachment, uh, avoidant attachment, disorganized, which is kind of a combination between the first two, and then secure attachment. Now, the ultimate goal is to try to get to a secure attachment. This is um, a style where the child ideally has grown up with a secure connection with their caregiver. Um, Whenever they are hurt, they fell down, their parent came, they taught them how to console themselves um, and to, you know, recover from whatever negative experience that they're having. Um, the other styles come into play when maybe the parent, um, was either not really around, um, there is abuse in the household, um, you know, there's just not good coping skills or mechanisms that are, have been, that have been taught to the child, all of these things, um, that kind of lead to us having these attachment styles that are really just, you know, safety mechanisms at the end of the day, right? Like I'm experiencing this thing. This is how I respond to, you know, get past it or get through it. Um, So I think early on in my like early adulthood, I would say I was probably a a little more disorganized, um, kind of going back and forth between anxious and avoidant. Um, And it was really dependent on like, you know, just my circumstances at the time, either if I was really stressed out at work or had a lot of like financial issues that I was dealing with or whatever, I would put dating like on the back burner, you could, no one could holla at me, like no dude was ever going to approach me. Um, just because I was just like so walled off and, and even in, in friendships and just like being able to have good working relationships with people, I would often just be like super avoidant, um, you know, just walking away from any kind of difficult conversation. Um, and at the same time, you know, I have this very, very strong people pleasing, um, people-pleasing mechanism that results in a more anxious attachment style when I'm in a relationship, right? Like once once somebody's kind of gotten past the wall, if I let you win, like I do everything in my power to try to keep this person, you know, happy and in my good favor and in a relationship with me because I'm, I have a fear of being abandoned. Um, and I can get into more of like the childhood stuff and the things that I've kind of gone through, um, maybe at a later episode, 
we're still going to know each other, you know? Um, but I do have abandonment uh, wounds um, that I'm sort of working through and that have caused me to have this more anxious style when I'm in a relationship. So typically when I'm in a relationship, I lean into the people pleasing by being this sort of like savior or kind of the, the, the healer in the relationship, right? Like I'm, I jump to, to pay for my own meal on the first date or whatever on every date, really. Um, you know, I, I buy my partner like gifts and make sure I go out of my way to like show up for their things, support them, shout them out, like, you know, all of this stuff to just really try to be the best partner, the best girlfriend. Right. And Typically, um, because I'm at the same time attracted to those avoidant types, they, um, you know, help to, it's a, it's a familiar connection for me, right? Like if I have, um, a caregiver who was, you know, not really in my life and another one who, um, was emotionally absent for, you know, a good chunk of time, um, that then means that I'm attracted to people who offer me back that same sort of a treatment, right? So, um, you know, typically attracted to guys who tell me straight out the gate, they're not looking for a relationship. And I just get it into my head to say, well, it's my job to change his mind, right? Um, and for a really long time, I thought like, that's, that's what love is, right? Like, that's, that's how, um, you get the guy. That's how you are. That's how dating is, right? Like you have to kind of prove your worth over and over and over again because there's so many options for him that he could have. And why would he stay with me? I have to be like the best thing in the room for him to stick around. Um, and meanwhile, that's that's all scarcity mindset, right? It, it goes both ways. Like I also have all these options, but I wasn't thinking like that. Um, so yeah, so that typically was, you know, my uh, impulse is to just people please to push a lot of my needs to the side um, and really just kind of go <laughs> fully submerged into this other person. Um, so I would say, yeah, anxious attachment style, often the healer savior role. Um, and I think, I think also another reason why I was so attracted to these avoidant types um, is because I also had a big fear of commitment um, for a very long time. Again, I will get into this further, but I don't really have the best examples of happy married couples in my life. So, you know, wasn't really big on getting married, having this wonderful dream wedding, you know, didn't really think about those things. Um, and always felt like I wanted to have that person in my life, but being so terrified to take the steps to actually like make room for that person even in my life, right? Um, I've lived alone for, you know, a, a good chunk of time since moving to New York. If you looked at my life from the outside or even just on paper, like none of it would ever say that she is open or able to be in a committed relationship, right? Like I was working all the time. I definitely, I know how to stay busy. And I like even, even things that aren't necessarily paying me, I was just, I was just saying yes to everything and just like constantly working and, um, you know, really just burning myself out. And so, so then having no energy um, to take care of myself, let alone, you know, 
take care of, of a relationship or contribute to a relationship. And, um, you know, I leaned a lot on the easy ways of dating, right? So dating apps, n- you know, not to shit on, on them at all, definitely not to, um, not to badmouth anybody who's found a connection on, on those platforms. Great. Good for you. Um, if you use it in the right way, I definitely think that dating apps can, you know, get you in a relationship and, and help you meet amazing people. Um, however, I wasn't really like using it in that way. I was literally just like, you know, whose picture excites me, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, who's written something funny enough to comment back on. And um, yeah, that led to some very interesting kind of awful first dates. And I think if you have enough of those, it causes that burnout effect, right? And so I would find myself like being on the dating apps for a while, swiping, swiping, doing a bunch of like, you know, crazy amount of dates in a month and then being so burnt out by the rejection, by the failed connections, like by all of these things that I would just then delete the apps and be like, you know, F this. Like, I'm not doing this. Like, whatever. Resign to just be single for the rest of my life. It's fine. Um, and I think, like, again, that was all just a fear of really bringing my full self to a date, um, really just being my full self around another person. And that fear was a result of not loving myself, really. Um, I thought just because I was always good at, you know, being alone and being on my own that I have to love myself, right? Um, But the reality was when I, when I am like physically alone by myself, um, I tend to um, like fantasize or go into this thinking of just like imagining some better life, some other life, instead of just like sitting in my apartment, being with me, you know, having a good time where I'm at, like with myself, um, or calling a friend, like going out, like I live in New York City, and there's still so many things I haven't experienced. But I, I let like, you know, not being in a relationship kind of keep me from doing certain things, or I I used to, I should say, um, or just not, feeling okay with myself to be able to go and, and, you know, have a meal at that restaurant by myself or experience that movie on my own, all of those things. So um, I did that for a really long time. And I think that that's how I had started, you know, I think that's how I was loving in the beginning. It it wasn't very loving, um, both to the people that I was dating and, and also to myself. So how did this all begin? All right. So the, like any great story, this all began with the breakup. Um, no, <laughs> it did actually. Um, so at the beginning of last year, we are now in 2023. So the beginning of 2022, um, I had met uh, someone and we dated very, very briefly. However, it was a really emotional connection, a really like deeply emotional relationship where, um, again, he had just kind of gotten out of something. I was the healer savior who wanted to just come to his rescue and teach him how to love again and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it ended up being this trauma bond that sort of formed between the two of us. You know, he could sort of let out um, everything that he had experienced in the previous relationship 
project a lot of it into our relationship. And I sort of did the same, right? Like I took all of what he was saying and projected things back from my own experiences. Um, and, you know, we both kind of knew we, we were doing it and we agreed to just sort of, you know, really do the work individually to try to make it a healing relationship. Um, but unfortunately, he just, he really couldn't get there. And I really wasn't um, loving myself enough to be able to really commit to my own work. Um, instead, I would just like be thinking about him and, you know, what is he doing? And is, is he upset? Or, you know, he didn't text me today. So what does that mean? Like really just overthinking, overanalyzing it. And I think, you know, he could he could sense that naturally. And so it got to a point where, you know, I was falling deeper and deeper, deeper, faster, um, because I was just like opening my heart to him and everything. And I think he realized that and just sort of said, okay, I'm not there. I'm not going to get there. I got to, we got to end this. And again, it, it wasn't a very long-term relationship, um, but it, it took so long for me to get past the breakup. And the, the heartache was just like, like it, it was very much um, like my first love who I will talk about in another episode. Um, but it was, it was just this severing of just like everything that was so familiar to me and everything that just like felt so good because it was me reconnecting with my childhood trauma in, 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 in that way. So I really just wanted to feel good again. And um, I, a big fan of podcasts, love listening to them, you know, on the train when I work out and stuff like that. And so started to search for uh, healing my heartbreak and like uh, getting over my ex and all of those things. Um, and Heal Your Heartbreak is actually one of the podcasts that was really, really great, super helpful. Definitely check them out. Um, another one was the Inner Child podcast by Gloria Zhang. Um, my therapist and I had actually been talking a lot about inner child work. And so I was like, well, let me like dig more into this and just searched for Inner Child on, you know, Spotify podcasts. And hers was the first to come up. And everything that she was saying was like, oh, this is it, right? Like, this is why this is so hard to get over I think um her episode on trauma bonds was like one of the first things that I listened to and it was like like word for word exactly how our relationship had been and so I was like okay this is what I got to keep digging into um so the inner child podcast um which is great um this changes everything is another great podcast um with uh therapy Jeff and also Sarah Rice who is one of my favorite um players from the challenge um they're great. They also talk about similar attachment styles, relationships, and, you know, overcoming heartache, all of those things, how all of our experiences from our past, from our childhood impact and inform um, how, we, how we sort of respond to heartbreak and loss and everything today as an adult. Um, so, yeah, I really started to dig into that kind of work really started to understand the dynamics of that relationship and of the breakup and my role in it. And I actually did a whole relationship audit is what Gloria calls it. And man, it was so hard to get through that because it was so obvious to me. Like when you really like put all of your relationships out in front of you and, and look at your like dating timeline, the 
mistakes just are not so much the mistakes, but your patterns just become so much clearer, right? So definitely highly recommend, um, you know, doing a relationship audit for yourself. Check out Gloria's, you know, workshops and everything. Her programs are amazing. I did, um, I took part in um, her um, soulmate program, which was incredible. Looking at my history, I realized that I was taking on a lot of the same kind of roles in the relationship. Um, a lot of my relationships were rebounds, really, you know, where I was like, you know, uh, the girl that this serial monogamist was kind of like jumping to next. And um, I was the catalyst for him in a lot of ways. Like I would just come with like, you know, fully accepting him, fully embracing him, you know, supporting him, you know, cheerleading and everything. And uh, once this guy felt confident enough and good enough to like go back out there, kick Olivia to the curb, right? Um, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, I think, I think that they're realizing that like I was, I was more invested into, into the relationship than they were and ending it as a result. So I think ultimately I'm super, super thankful that the relationship last year did come to an end because it did lead me down this path. Um, and it did lead me to some incredible resources and outlets, which I, you know, will continue to share about as I do these, as I do these episodes. Um, a couple great reads that I have here. So All About Love by Bell Hooks, such a great read. She um, really just kind of examines, um, you know, gender roles in our society and, and how that has kind of informed how we love and don't love one another. Um, and also the um, racial differences, impacts. Um, I could, I'm going to do a whole episode on dating as a woman of color um, because that's definitely been uh, a huge kind of understanding for myself. Um, and then this other book, The Body Keeps the Score, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, incredible read just talking about brain, mind, and body in the healing of trauma, um, how we physicalize trauma. Like that was um, a huge uh, helpful thing for me because like I said, went to college for theater, but my focus was primarily in physical theater. So clowning, fight choreography, dance, movement-based storytelling, right? And there were so many classes where we would um, just people watch, right? Like we'd sit on campus and just watch how somebody moves, how they stand, how they breathe, their stride, like all these little like, in you know, intricacies that could help us like form and develop um, a character that we were doing for a scene or a show or whatever. And that really just made me think about like, you know, how I carry myself and the, the kind of like where, where I hold tension and where I'm a little more loose and um, you know, why is it that I'm, I'm like, I'm, my stance is usually pretty like sunken in or my walk is very much just like, you know, when I walk, people people tell me all the time, they're like, you look so angry when you walk around, <laughs> Olivia. Um, and I didn't realize that. But it did, it did definitely um, tell me a lot about myself in that, like, that is part of that avoidant nature is to just, like, get, move through the world because I feel everything and everybody around me and I just want to, like, get from A to B and not be bothered. Um but as a result, then I'm pushing down like everything that I'm feeling instead of just maybe slowing down a little bit, breathing, 
really being in the moment. Um, I've really been doing a lot of that work as a result of this of this read. Um, and then, yeah, like whenever I feel anxiety, like where does that live in my body? Whenever I'm nervous, whenever um, I'm scared, um, whenever I feel empowered or emboldened, like where do where does that physically live on me and why? Um, and where does that kind of come from? All of those things have been, all of those questions um, I've been asking myself from this book. So definitely, definitely give this a read. Another amazing resource that's helped me is journal journaling. Um, I do. I love to just journal. Um, and we uh, we're not really strangers. Has this great kind of expansion pack. Um, it's called the Breakup Kit, and it comes with a journal. It comes with this like deck of cards. So if you don't know, we're not really strangers. It is a card game um, that kind of just helps to promote conversation and like deeper questions in trying to get to know somebody. And so they have a breakup, <laughs> they have a breakup expansion back. Um, they have a self-reflection kit as well too. That's been, you know, really great. Um, and yeah, it just helps me continue to ask these sort of deeper nuanced questions about who I am, how I love, you know, how it all started um, and where I want to get to ultimately. So my ultimate goal, as I say in every episode, is to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. And this podcast is just my journey in discovering how to get there and how to love and um, how I want to be loved, who I want to love and all of those things. So this podcast is also very interactive in that way. There is um, an opportunity to respond to um, some questions at the bottom. You can also hop in and play a little poll that we have going. Find us on social media at solidarity underscore media. Send us your stories, um, your experiences, Definitely hope to have a couple guests on here that um, I've sort of met and learned from throughout this past year in this journey. Um, so excited to share and talk more with you soon. This has been Healing Through Love. See you later. <laughs>